very consciously trying to get my mind, body, spirit in a place where I can hold more. Therefore, I can not necessarily produce more. It's not about producing, but it can be more a more expansive project, perhaps a project, which is my hope that goes out into the world and reaches more people. And I think in order to do that, you have to protect and also consciously expand capacity, what you're able to hold. This is Finding the Throughline, the show that gives you inside access to honest conversations about the creative process. I'm Kate Hanley. Welcome back to my Finding the Throughline interview with screenwriter and author Lee Madeiras. If this is the first you're hearing of Lee, you got to go back two episodes ago and hear her full bio and then keep listening to find out the way that Lee came to be a screenwriter who specializes in climate topics, how she deals with her inner critic and what she has to say about how important being creative is. You really don't want to miss that. And all the other things that we covered in the previous two episodes. Today, we are diving into what's currently brewing for Lee and what she knows at this moment about where her personal through line is leading her next. So, Lee, I'm curious, are there things that are perking up your ears that maybe are new, that are just different, that you're wondering, like, why do I keep paying attention to this thing? Why does this keep showing up in my feed? I'd love to know. What I'm currently being tweaked by, if that's the word, (laughs) is formula, things that are formula, that are established formula, that are being tweaked a little bit. So I recently watched a TV show called Deadlock, and it is a police procedural but it's a feminist police procedural. It's a dramedy. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the heck out of that. So I'm looking at ways in which we take established structures and just tweak them a little bit to make them a whole new thing. I love that. A lot of people have been talking about how they're really drawn to just like, I get a tweak to the formula as you describe it. Other people are describing it as like a mashup or like kind of a two genres are smashing into each other. Yeah, they think there's something really powerful about kind of transitional spaces right now because we're in one, you know? Integration. That goes back to what I was talking about earlier, which is integration. So you have these two very different things and we're finding ways to put them together. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. If you don't know what Lee's talking about, you got to go back to Monday's episode because that was a really cool point. And I'm glad you brought it up again and how that integration is kind of like helping you get closer to that authentic self. It's like removing a little piece of resistance. It's just getting blasting it. What about who inspires you either creatively or just in terms of living life? And it doesn't have to be like, I love this whole person and everything about them, but just like some of the people that you think about when you need a little shot in the arm? I am going to say people who have lived through trauma and then show up in their full creative expression. So people like drag queens, trans folks, anybody from historically excluded communities, those are my leader, creative leaders. People who have lived through oppression trauma, and then they show up as their own fully expressed creative selves just absolutely inspire me. 
I go, yeah. How do you interact with their stories? Like, are there podcasts you're listening to or memoirs? Or That's so funny. This is going to sound corny slash I don't know what. Because of the climate storytelling piece, I'm interested in effective communication for the masses. And so it would be like TikTok videos, social media videos that are reduced down to one minute. And the people who can convey incredible things in one minute, I'm just like, I bow down because I find that extremely hard. And I think that's something that is easily dismissed. Oh, social media videos. But when done well, is a form of mastery because it's about being succinct, being an effective communicator. Often I love the ones that are funny or sarcastic. So I can't think of anybody specifically because, you know, the scroll, you know, I might see 10 of those videos a day and I'll, I do try to save some of them to go back and look at as far as how do they really communicate that got me? What did they do? There is a, a queen called Nana Tucket, which I guess is a very funny spin on Nantucket. Mm-hmm. And she does educational videos in full drag. And she did one about plastic pollution yesterday. It might have been two minutes, it was, or maybe even four. Brilliant. The history of plastic, what it's doing to us now, the education around that. And I just thought, this is it, you know, like, and that's integration too, where you have, you know, drag always happened on the stage. It happened behind the stage. It happened in this community. Well, here she is in her full wig, makeup, and she's gorgeous, and uh, talking about all sorts of subjects as an educator. She's really an educator. And so I love that. I absolutely am paying a lot of attention to the younger generation and the way they're storytelling in these really effective ways that reach the masses. Lee, are there changes or shifts that you are either already in the midst of making or things that you're kind of starting to think about like, yeah, I got to get to that. I think I spoke about this earlier as well. If people want to go back and listen, but I think (laughs) capacity, I'm just thinking about, I'm getting older. I turned 50 this year. I don't have the same capacity. And so that means you have to make decisions about what you're spending your time on. You have to prioritize so it's a twofold process, prioritizing my creative work, which means saying no, having boundaries, and also building energetic capacity for that, which I've never done. I've always just been kind of like, I'm going to go with how I feel. I feel inspired. I feel excited. I, you know, I feel like I have a deadline and I'm terrified. But this is very consciously trying to get my mind, body, spirit, in a place where I can hold more. Therefore, I can not necessarily produce more. It's not about producing, but it can be more a more expansive project, perhaps a project, which is my hope that goes out into the world and reaches more people. And I think in order to do that, you have to protect and also consciously expand capacity, what you're able to hold. That is a really fascinating concept. I'm going to be brewing on that one long after our conversation is through. This, I think, is a fun question. So we're not going to come back and check you for accuracy, okay? This is in the realm of just fantasy and feeling good. So what is your grooviest idea of where you're headed? Like, what would just delight you if it came to pass? 
So I'm working on a TV pilot, and it has an environmental climate angle. And what would delight me would be to align with an incredible group of people who can bring it into actual form. I mean, screenwriting specifically, it's like being an architect in a way. There are other analogies, but it's not a finished product. Technically, a screenplay is not a finished product when you're talking about the big picture of the industry. So I can only do so much as a writer. I would love to align with the people who could bring that into form. That's my dream. Yeah, that's so cool. And then once it's into form, which is so interesting because I work on books, right? And that is definitely a butterfly with a pin stuck through it on the wall, you know, and you hang it on the wall and it doesn't change. So like, ooh, that's like a, it's so much more collaborative. I'm sure there's a whole ball of wax that we could unpack about that. But once you find the people who bring it into form and you have a collaborative, mutually supportive and inspiring process where you like bring out the best in the work then like what's your vision after it becomes real it's funny there's so many ways it's you know what's interesting is it's actually hard for me to envision because what comes up is that inner critic that says this is never going to happen this is impossible so for me to even follow that thought through is work And also because I've worked by myself for so long as a writer, you often work by yourself. It's also hard to imagine what would it be like to work with an entire team who's bringing your spark to life. They add and contribute and it takes on a life of its own, which is a whole other conversation around being willing to raise a child that goes out into the world and does its own thing. It's not yours Mm -hmm. to keep. But my vision would be, I live in Rhode Island and it's in part a love letter to Rhode Island And uh, my vision would be to collaborate with these people and have it be close to home and be able to consult and be part of it in a way that supports my expertise and then ultimately goes out into the world and makes a ripple effect that then people are entertained by it, but also it has that little something else underneath there that, you know, I'm always interested in shifting consciousness towards healing. And when it comes to the climate crisis, we need healing. And writing holds a lot of potential for healing. And so that's my vision is that the words come into form and then become transformative in some way. May it be so. (laughs) May it be so. so. May it be so. Okay, now it's time for our fast questions. I don't have a timer, so, you know, don't feel like you have to spit out the words at a staccato pace, but I'm curious. Is there a piece of work that you have interacted with later, lately, whether it's a book, show, podcast, something else that you just couldn't, it just was really hard for you to pull yourself away from? Maybe you stayed up too late. Maybe you blew off doing some other work. I haven't read anything lately because I'm actually in recovery from surgery. And you'd think that's a good time to read, but that was really and also because I'm working on a TV pilot. I've been watching a lot of TV. and so. I'm watching a lot of TV pilots, just the first episode of TV shows trying to. So even my relaxation is not that relaxing. But okay, the last thing that I stayed up late watching was Deadlock. And it is a feminist police procedural out of, it's not out of New Zealand, it's Tasmania, out of Tasmania. Mm. And I also am a big podcast fan. So anything by Connie Walker, who is a CBC journalist. 
I'm interested, to be honest, I'm interested in true crime because specifically female podcasters in the true crime genre, and not all of them, but some have an underlying aspect of healing. So I'm interested in investigative journalists who are working on cases and bringing things to light. I always learn something as a woman and as a person with anxiety. And so I would say, I can't speak to something specifically, though I will shout out Connie Walker. She did Stolen, which just won the Pulitzer. And Mm. that was a really beautiful project. She looked at her father, who she had a distant relationship with due to abuse. And she went into the fact that he came out of the residential schools, which was Mm. a horrific system perpetuated by the government to remove Native children from their families and indoctrinate them into society, supposedly. So she it was part memoir, part family history and exploration, and also an expose of a particular school and and a case, trying to get to the bottom of who were the people who abused your father and are they alive and can we find them? And uh, so anyway, this is the stuff that tweaks me because I. I have a real underlying sense of social justice. And so when it's a good storyteller, it's got a personal angle, they're doing investigative work and they do it well, it's my sweet spot. Ooh, that sounds really good. I want to drill down on your cacao drink. I asked people what their morning beverage of choice is. You've shared that you do a cacao ceremony in the morning. Like, How are you making this? And is this okay to ask or is it like, should it be shrouded in secrecy? <laughs> Not at all. So, yeah. So, so number one, I make sure that the company that I'm working with that, that I buy the cacao from is very ethical. People can do their research, but the chocolate industry, the cacao industry, there's a lot of colonialism exploitation. So, I work with a particular company that I order from, and I order different kinds of cacao. But for people who want to try it, I would recommend what's called pure cacao. So, nothing other than the cacao I buy. The ones that I buy are discs that are meltable disks of processed cacao. And I warm up a pan, turn it off, put the cacao in with a little bit of medium hot water, whisk it, pour it into, I have a couple of mugs that I keep specifically for, they're kind of, you know, just for this. They're handmade by a friend from art school who is a ceramic artist. And so it's nice, I get to sort of think of him when I drink out of these. And that's it. This morning for the first time, because it's kind of basically winter here, I added a little bit of cayenne, a little bit of cinnamon and pumpkin pie spice. There is, I think, traditional methods of making cacao that include spice. So that was the first time that I thought, you know, it's wintertime, I need a little extra heat. And that was awesome. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's just a matter of just whisking it, melting it, and being intentional about it, and then sharing it. And before doing so, there's a gratitude practice Typically, it's the elements. I also bring in some other things that I feel grateful for, like my friend who made the mug and some deities or energies that I work with, I'll acknowledge. But it is also a thing that I do when I'm outside, no matter the weather. And there's a phrase or a saying that's, there's no bad weather, only bad clothes. Mm. Recently, I was out in kind of hurricane conditions. It was extremely windy. It was extreme. It was raining, pouring, pouring. And I'm going, am I nuts, you know? But then I'm standing there and I'm looking at this cedar tree and I'm watching the water come down the cedar tree. 
and I'm watching like a little bug take shelter in this one little dry space. And it was magical. It was a beautiful, beautiful morning. And I thought, man, and it also just to breathing in that air that's been so activated mm-hmm. sounds so corny when I say this, and I'm going to sound like such a fruit loop, I think to a lot of people, but <laughs> try it and see, try it and see how your day goes when you start, like I said, when you start feeling a part of things, not separate from them, not just from your house, from the door of your house to the door of your car. That's how many people start their day. Just that little, oh, yeah. yep, I'm outside, but I'm thinking about something else. I'm not even present. To be present with the nature and the world in the morning, it's literally changed my life and my creative hmm. practice. Hmm. What song do you listen to or style of music do you listen to when you need a pick-me-up? Music gives me so much energy. So if I'm tired, I'll put on dance music and that will go like, I mean, that'll just make my body move, which I think when your body moves, you start to flow. You know, you've lit physically flowing, but everything else starts to. So sometimes when I'm having a writing block, I will do a little bit of dancing and come back and it really helps. But when I'm writing, I listen to that four, is it four HZ? It's like gigahertz. I don't even know the phrasing, but it's Um, like binaural beats that's made for focus. Or I listen to, there is a study that shows that the background noise of like a coffee shop that sort of filters into like one white noise, sort of one sound of clinking and clanging and sort of low chatter. That's on YouTube or where Coffeetivity has it. These cafe sounds, these background noises, that really helps my focus too. So that's what I would listen to when I'm actually writing. Oh, that's super cool. Do you have a favorite time, whether that is a time of day, a day of the week, part of the year? Like what is just like, you realize it's that time and you're like, what is it? Because beginnings are so fun for me, beginnings, like ah, the beginning process, the idea stage, all of that stuff, the dreaming of what could be mornings and January. (laughs) Not January for the weather in New England, but anything that's like, or Monday morning, like, okay, I get to try again. It's the beginning. Like I love possibility. I love possibility. So anything that's the beginning of something is really my jam. That's awesome. And last question, what meal would you ask for if somebody said, I will make or procure anything you want for dinner tonight? Okay. If I had a time machine, if they had a time machine, I would tell them, Mm -hmm. because of course they would, right? (laughs) That's a normal thing to think as soon as you ask me that question. I just, what pops into my head is I used to live near a bakery when I was in my twenties in Boston and they made this rosemary bread. And I lived with friends. We were just broke and we would just go get this round. It was this big round. And we would, they would be warm when you would pick them up. They were so fresh. They would still be warm. And we would pour out some olive oil, put a little bit of sea salt, just tear off pieces of bread and dunk it in the olive oil. Man, I could live on that and olives and just that Mediterranean stuff. I mean, I really love food. So really, if somebody told me they wanted to make me food, I'd be like, what time? (laughs) Please, what time? I cook dinner every night. My husband and I have a very equitable arrangement, but dinner's my jam. And sometimes, you know, you just think, again, I have to feed this body again, again. We got to do this again today. We have to like look in the fridge and look in the pantry and figure this out again. So um, so I would... Yeah, three times. Although the middle of the day is me just 
picking like I'm a like an animal moving through the forest, like eating acorns. I'm like, here's a chip, here's an you know, an olive, here's a swig of, you know, it's just, just it's a hot mess. Lunchtime for me is it's not so easy. But anyway, but yeah, so let's say some Mediterranean, or I would not turn down like a chana masala, a really good chana masala. I love me mm-hmm. chickpeas and Indian spices, warm and yummy, especially this time of year. Awesome. Hopefully that hits. What about you, Kate? I'm going to turn it around. What would you pick? Oh. Yeah, you know, I would definitely be like, let's get some Indian, let's get some sag paneer, some chana masala. I'm a fan of condiments. Like any mm. cuisine that ha- comes with the condiments, you know, you get the red onions and the, the cilantro sauce and the tamarind sauce, tamarind sauce, Ooh, and you're just like, yeah. mm, little like a Swedish chef in there. I mean, sorry to mix cuisines, but you know, you're just like creating your own yes. bowl and then every bite is a little bit different. Oh, to me, that is just heaven. So you do well at a taco bar. Yeah. Any kind of bar, really. I mean, any kind of food it. bar. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel you. I'm having a childhood <laughs> memory come up. When I was a kid, there was a place we used to vacation at in New Hampshire. It was called Franken Sunday. <laughs> And it was just a whole buffet of all toppings. So you ordered one, two or three scoops of vanilla chocolate or strawberry. That's it. And then you put whatever you wanted on it. Wow. That was like as a kid, an unbelievable. I think all adults should have that now. We should treat ourselves to this sort of idea. Frankensunday, that is like the best branding I've ever heard. It's it had so a giant clear. Frankenstein outside, which was just, it was like the two-story tall Frankenstein. I mean, who, uh, come on. What kid would not love this? Frank and Sunday. What a thing to go out. What an outro for us here. <laughs> God bless everybody who has lasted this long listening to me. <laughs> We've covered it all. <laughs> well, Lee. Check, check, and check. So, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Oh, last thing. Is there anything that you want listeners to know about that you're working on or places where they could come connect with you? Like, how do we close the circle here? If you are listening and you are a screenwriter anywhere in the world that is interested in writing or already have a climate screenplay, check out the Hollywood Climate Summit and the Writing Climate Pitch Fest. And if you're a person who may like to just, I don't know, tap into some of the things I've talked about or find me amusing or whatever, you can find me on Instagram. I'm less so on Twitter slash X, though I am there a little bit. I'm more of a retweeter. And my website is my name, lemadiris.com. And people can reach out if they want to say hello or have questions. So those are the few that I would shout out. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Lee. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. It was just awesome. Finding the Throughline airs one interview per week, broken up into three episodes that come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for free. Skip the ads and get each interview in one longer episode by becoming a paid subscriber at katehanley.substack.com. Even if you aren't ready to get out your wallet just yet, become a free subscriber at katehanley.substack.com and receive the full show notes with links to everything my guests and I cover. However you listen, thank you. Finding the Throughline is edited by Sound Advice Strategies. Connect with me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. And come back next Monday when I'm having a conversation about the creative process with an entirely new person. Until then, wishing you a great weekend. <laughs>